Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Reaching New Heights podcast with me, Megan Gallagher. Today, we have such a talented, amazing guest on the show. He is a TV host, sports broadcaster, writer, and he's just an all-around amazing guy. And you probably know him as the sports baseball guy of 2021 and he is best known for his podcast the o show everyone please give me a warm welcome in introducing jack o'hara megan gallagher thanks so much for having me on uh again i kind of dabble in all the things i wouldn't necessarily say i'm an expert but you know i i hope one day i, I get there but i really appreciate you having me on your show of course, Jack. Thank you so much for taking the time, and I'm so excited to chat today. Oh, so am I. I, I think, it, again, like it's a very important thing to talk about. We were kind of talking about it a little bit before we came on. Just, you know, talking about some of this stuff, because you're in Nashville. I'm, I'm in Phoenix. I grew up, again, in, in the New Jersey, New York area. When it came to, you know, talking about something we kind of both experienced growing up when it came to anxiety or, or depression or anything like in that nature, at least for me, I don't know for you, but like I, I remember like being around like the, 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 the dads, the football dads, the baseball dads growing up playing sports. It was almost considered a weakness to talk about that kind of stuff to the point where it's like you kind of just had to bottle it all up inside, which isn't healthy at the end of the day. So I'm happy like uh, a few years down the road, it's finally becoming more and more apparent to people that it needs to be discussed. Uh, it needs to be out in the open. And overall, I think that just creates better relationships, better connections with people, and you get a better understanding as to what makes people tick at the end of the day. So I'm glad to be here. Yes, I'm so excited. So my first question for you, Jack, is how did you discover your passion for specifically not just broadcast journalism, but specifically where did your passion for sports really stem from? So it's interesting. I want to say when I was five years old, I determined that I wanted to pursue sports broadcasting. You know, I ended up, you know, doing a lot of uh, or at least pursuing a lot of other things in my young life thus far. Again, I'm just 22 years old. But I think it all started my uh, my grandfather, who has since passed away a few years ago, but he took me and my brother to uh, our first New York Yankees game at the old Yankee Stadium. And I remember it, like, vividly. Like It was, I think, May of 2006. My brother and I dressed up in full baseball uniforms. I don't know why we did that. We were sitting, like, in the upper deck, last row, full-blown like it was june 100 degrees outside full-blown baseball pants baseball jersey so excited to go to the game and uh after the game i immediately just instinctively didn't even think about it immediately wrote a journal entry about the game like about everything that happened all the stats uh all the big plays all the big moments and i have done that to this day whether it's baseball games football games rock concerts that I go to, film festivals that I attend. I constant, constantly am documenting everything that I've done. It was just an instinct thing. Like I never even thought about it, and it kind of gradually became to a point where it's like, this is definitely what I want to pursue. I knew it since I was, again, five years old, and I kind of wish I started sooner. Like In my mind, like again, in high school, like it was all about, you know, for me, making friends, partying with my friends, whatever. Like I didn't really think like I could have started like creating content given the all new technology that we have in this generation in 2020, 2021. I never really realized that I was going to be able to create my own content, maybe live stream or high school games. Again, I played in high school. I probably looking back at it. I wish I called games and uh, wrote about games instead. It would have yeah. been a lot more efficient for me. It probably would have been a lot more happier with myself. Um, and then to me, it was like, all right, when I get to college, that's when I start. And luckily the past four years have been phenomenal. It's been such a great experience. Again, like surrounding yourself with the right people we kind of talked about will help you kind of open your eyes in a sense to what you want to do and what you want to accomplish and give yourself, you know, those daily planners, those goals in order to accomplish those one day at a time. But that's how my passion for at least sports stemmed in the long run ever since. Like, again, I've, I've evolved over the past four years 
careers as well. I love sports casting. I, I pursued acting, filmmaking, writing. Uh, I love music too. Like I said, my brother is a big musician, just moved out to Nashville where you're at. So again, I'm trying to dabble in a lot of things, but again, storytelling, I think is probably the biggest aspect. Podcasting has become, you know, my number one thing that I'm probably known for at this point. Which I'm happy about because that really wasn't on the agenda. That wasn't the plan. But, you know, the best things in life aren't planned, I guess. That's so true. And I mean, seriously, Jack, you're only 22. I'm 25, so it's not, you know, I'm not like a grandma. I'm not like, oh, you're 22. (laughs) But, like, you are seriously just so young and you're such a great role model for the next generation. And people, you know, Gen Z, people our age to look up to because – you truly have had this passion for so long and you just took it and ran with it and all the things that you have accomplished, whether it is fully related to sports or it's acting, it's kind of like a subcategory right. and a subdivision of that. Um, that's just, I mean, it's, it's so fascinating. And as someone for me specifically, I did grow up in a household where you know, back in the Bay Area, um, my family is an Oakland A's fan, and we love, you know, watching those baseball games, and um, although, you know, right now I don't have, like, one team I'm obsessed with, I, I love sports, and I think it's just such a powerful thing, especially, you know, during this past year has been crazy, and I think sports really remains as one of the best ways that communities can come together and find a common ground and you know bond with each other oh yeah i mean it was tough you know those first few months when really nothing was going on whether it was like march april may like absolutely you know dead to rights we kind of just had to like go off of you know watching encores on tv or you know finding new things and i think that's probably the best thing that i did personally i i bet you did as well kind of discover new things new traits that you kind of wanted to pursue like i read a lot more i started writing screenplays for some film classes you know like i started pursuing other things outside of sports when i couldn't necessarily rely on them those first few months before baseball ended up coming back over the summer and then football went off without a hitch as well but you know like i i was able to again evolve in a sense and adapt to where some people were just kind of like oh, well, like, I'm just going to sit here. I guess there's really nothing to do. But, like, there's always something else to do. Like, you just got to, again, find that passion, find something that's going to set your soul on fire and run with it. Yes, that's so true. Um, And that kind of leads me into my next question for you, Jack, which is in your life, how have sports specifically, how have they helped you get through your own tough times, whether – you were struggling mentally or just kind of in a low place in your life how have sports and just your career and the people you've met in your career how have they kind of inspired you when you yourself needed it well i guess it was always my escape right so like since like i said since i was five years old i always knew that's what i kind of wanted to pursue but you know like i said like i didn't really get my start in any of this till i was 18 19 so that's a 14 year gap where you know like you said you're fighting like you're you're growing up you know like you you're you're fighting anxiety depression you know like you want to make friends growing up things don't pan out you go through bad times you know high school's a a pain in the ass for i think about everybody no matter which way you look at it whether you were a popular kid a jock a geek whatever you know like it it was it was a hard time i i think a lot of people had a lot of growing pains in high school no matter what so sports especially the new york yankees diehard baseball fan diehard new york yankees fan That was always something that, you know, me, my brother, my father, my grandfather, all different personalities, all all completely at different ends of the spectrum. We could all get together at night in the family room and watch New York Yankees baseball, which is something we were always passionate about and something that always connected the four of us. Because, again, we were different. My brother, big time musician, my father in in the same boat, big time fisherman as well. My uh, my grandfather was uh, ex-Marine. My other grandfather actually played pro baseball. Baseball. So he he was also, of course, a diehard Yankee fan. Uh, but that always um, connected us when things, again, weren't so hot in, in our lives, right? So like me dealing with anxiety, uh, depression, you know, didn't really click with anybody growing up, you know? Like uh, there's a reason I went out to school in Phoenix. Like I needed a new start essentially to kind of find myself, find a rhythm for myself because it didn't happen in New Jersey. So uh, I, I think... You know, going through tough times in middle school, high school, etc., whether it's, you know, 
extracurricular activities, playing sports or even in the classroom, you know, like getting to go home and spend time and, and, and connect with people by watching something that we love. That that really set my passion for sports, more so baseball than anything else um, during that time period. Yeah, that's that's just so powerful. And I think, you know, that's just something for the rest of your life you can look back on and know that, you know, the New York Yankees is something you bonded with oh, your yeah. family over. And I think, um, you know, we all have those things. And that's, I don't know, that's just such a sweet story. And I love that. And I think that also goes to show, um, like you said, you know, there are so many stigmas about mental health and about, um, you know, whether it's being a guy or being a professional athlete or just being, you know, a normal everyday person. It's, you know, we all face stigmas and um, struggles and things on the daily basis where people would think, oh, you know, you have problems or you struggle like you're so, um, you know, successful or you're so young or all these things. But it just kind of reminds us all that, you know, everyone's still a human being at the end of the day. And I think, um, there are, you know, so many blogs and things online and websites and everything where the stigmas are ending and it's, there are more open conversations about what it means to be okay and about wellness. But I really, really, really feel that, especially in the professional sports world, there is such stigma, you know, with being an athlete, if you are struggling and what it means to be tough and to not show a weakness. And I think that's just, you know, such a real thing. Oh, and like I was saying before, when it came to like me growing up, like it was almost considered a weakness. Not a lot of people talked about it. I mean, there were probably some uh, cases, you know, some inner circles that talked about it a lot, but I wasn't in it, you know, like I didn't know. Uh, it was either you were a jock working out all the time, or you were just like this skinny geek who was weak, who, you know, battled with depression and anxiety. Like me, I was... I want to say I was like 95 pounds going into my freshman year in high school. Like I was very skinny, buzz cut, braces, didn't really have any social skills whatsoever. If you ask some of my friends today, I still don't have any social skills, but I digress. Um, but, you know, like it, it's just really, really um, difficult to go through. And everybody goes through it one time or another. You know, like me in high school, I went through it early on where others, you know, thrive through high school and are going to face it later in life. You know, one way or another, like people are going to be hit with um, some sort of depression. Like everybody's depressed, like you said. Like it doesn't matter if it's us, if it's right. Leonardo DiCaprio, if it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson himself. You know, like everybody goes through depression at some point or another. So it's important to, again, talk about it and kind of reach out to people who who it's obvious or, you know, you don't necessarily see it. Because again, like growing up being an athlete, like you don't see it in them. Yeah. And I, I would love to know also, Jack, in your life experience, have you ever firsthand have gone through um, just any type of people, you know, people judging you or any type of experience where you are, you know, in sports, you're on the field or you're in, you know, the zone and you experience firsthand, maybe from a coach or from a trainer or someone who, you know, just says, oh, suck it up or tough it out or you're being a bait or it, have you ever personally experienced that? I don't know if it was so much more that, but it was more of like, you're not living up to your full potential. Like me, again, like I was always a skinny kid. I was 90 pounds. Right buck or yeah what five ten you know um and i was always told that like you need to eat more you need to eat more and i would eat i would like i, I probably eat like a porterhouse steak like once a week a lot of my friends make fun of me i'm like a regular at longhorn steakhouse out here everybody knows my name and like it was always that way like i always ate a lot of food like i always was pounding back like five thousand six thousand calories of food a day no matter what it was whether it was junk food health, healthy stuff milkshakes whatever it was but I was always a skinny kid. I, I'm genetically a, I come from, again, a skinny family and I have, I guess, a ridiculously fast metabolism. So I, I never, I guess, lived up to their potential in a sense, even though like I knew I was outworking most of the kids in my, in my class, but it never showed. So in that sense, you know, people um, would criticize me saying that I wasn't working hard enough. I wasn't uh, what people, I guess, expected of everybody. Because again, like when you're in high school, everybody expects you to be 
I don't know, perfect in a sense. And that's just not true. And especially on, on my end, like being told that you're not good enough when in fact, like I was really trying harder than a lot of people. It was very discouraging in a sense. But I, I don't think there was ever a time where, um, you know, at least in sports, maybe at home with my father every now and then, like, yeah, you need to suck it up. Like this is, um, th there was a lot of that, you know, growing up. Again, like it was considered a weakness if you talked about that stuff. It has since changed. Again, we evolve as human beings. I think my father was a lot tougher on us growing up as he is now as adults. I think he understands it a lot more that it's a, uh, a personal thing. And we've had very deep personal talks about it in the past um, when it's come to fruition, you know, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, uh, there, there, there's been a few times, not one that I can like necessarily pick out from uh, a, a haystack, but you know, it, it's it's very common for people to have experiences like that, to where it's like there's really nothing you could do about it in that sense. In my sense, like I literally, there was nothing I could do about gaining weight. It took me a long time, and that was probably one of my bigger insecurities growing up because people expected it from me. Um, and that probably led to a lot of anxiety and depression down the road. Right. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's something that I, as a female, you know, I've had many yeah. moments when I was in middle school, high school, even now in the industry I am in, you know, I faced criticism on the daily and right. having a platform on social media, you know, you know that with that comes a lot of negativity and people leaving their opinion and, I believe, you know, everyone has the right to have their own opinion, but I think it's important to practice mindfulness before you post something, before you leave a comment, because, you know, at the end of the day, you really have no idea what other people are going through. And so for me, I try to, you know, remember that even if someone, you know, doesn't treat me the way I would treat them, I still just stop and think, okay, well, you know, how I treat other people is up to me and the rest, you know, is out of my control. So, um, but that's something I definitely can relate to Jack is I for sure have had so many moments where in high school, like I felt so insecure and I remember I was on the volleyball team and yeah. that was something that I worked so hard for. And I, you know, just put blood, sweat and tears into it. And I remember constantly feeling just, it was never enough. Like it was just ever, anything I could do, it was never going to be enough. And I constantly was, you know, pondering and thinking, well, what, what is enough? Like right. what would make me feel like I've made it? And I just, I, it's this whole, it really, you know, it can mess with your mental health for sure when people are just putting so much pressure on you. Yeah, and like whether it's me with trying to put on weight or whether it's you like on the volleyball team or, or anything else that anybody goes through, like it's half, you know, people have expectations and you don't want to disappoint in a way, I guess when you're young, like, I, I, I mean, I'll admit it, like I really cared what other people thought of me growing up. Now, not so much, you know, it, you evolved as a human being, but like, I feel like it was half of, you know, you caring about what other people thought and at the same time, you getting in your own head in a sense, you know, like part of right. it is people like setting it out on the table, like s setting out that, that doubt, you know, that self doubt in you, but at the same time, and the majority of it, which it took me a long time to realize is that 90% of it is just you overthinking things in your own head which is a very, you know, toxic thing to get into. And yeah. when you finally realize that and are able to work on it, because again, it is a ever going process. It doesn't go away. You know, depression and anxiety are unfortunately here to stay. It's about how you control it, how you manage it, um, how you, again, surround yourself with the right people, go after the right things, the things that you love doing. Um, and for people who haven't found themselves yet, that, that, that's a difficult task. But yeah, it's, it's a very... Um, again, tough thing to realize when you don't necessarily realize that you're just trying to be accepted at the end of the day. I, I think everybody just wants to be accepted by somebody, someone, and it's hard to realize that you are in control of your own life. Like you are the CEO of your own existence. Yes, it's so true. And I, oh my gosh, that's so crazy you yeah. say that because literally, you know, one of my, um, I don't really like the term resolutions. I like kind of goals, you know, there's oh, yeah. monthly goals, there's long-term goals, um, things that, you know, I want to get done every day, every week. And for me, that's a huge one that I really have been like understanding 
is knowing that my feelings, my happiness, how successful I am in my life, it is all up to me. It is no one else's fault or responsibility. And I cannot blame, you know, anyone else for feeling not, it's just taking that responsibility. It literally, like it sets your world free because all of a sudden you realize wait, you know, I don't owe anyone anything and no one owes me anything and I don't have to hold grudges and, you know, hate people. It's just, you realize to not take anything personally. And you realize just that what everyone does and says, it's just a reflection of their reality. Kind of people meet you where they are, but it's nothing to do with you. And that's something it's like... Oh, yeah. I mean, and it's hard to understand that as a little kid, you know, like going through middle school and high school, you only have so many experiences that kind of mold your reality and your brain. So like growing up, you're just like, okay, this is this is the situation I'm in. This is what I got to do to, you know, again, like feel accepted in a way. But once you get out there, get some experiences and you realize it's just like. Again, like I am in control here. I am the boss of my own life. I can do whatever I want, and there's really nothing anybody could say about it. You know, like, and it, and it takes a while for people to realize that, yeah, like you can do whatever you want. It does not matter what anybody else thinks. It doesn't matter what anybody else cares. You know, like at the end of the day, like you just can't care about that stuff, and you will be set free when you realize that you're able to be in control of your own life and make your own actions without worrying about what others think. Oh. Preach it, Jack. That is so true. And Uh, and again, it's like very frustrating to see in this day and age because a lot of people do understand it, especially like me. I feel like I've surrounded myself with a lot of the right people. I've made a lot of the right friends who, you know, are able to have discussions like this and able to, again, have found themselves, found what they're passionate about and were able to come together and share that. But there's a lot of people who don't have that sense of clarity that we have, you know, uh, you know, not yeah. to like be cocky about it or so, or anything like that, but there's a lot of people who are still lost, still very unmotivated, very uninspired, despite having a lot of experiences, um, you know, halfway through their life. So uh, again, it's all about, you know, finding yourself in that sense, going out of your way, going out of like stepping out of your box in a sense, you know, like me growing up in New Jersey, there's not a lot of people that leave. Like when I told my parents I wanted to leave, it was kind of shocking. Like it kind of took my mom a while to kind of accept that like, okay, like you can go to school out there. I remember my senior year in, in high school when I'm like, all right, like I've been trying to convince you for three years. I, I want to leave. She's like, all right, we can start looking at schools in Florida. I'm like, I've never even mentioned Florida. Like, I want to go across the country. I want to go to the West coast. I want to experience different types of people. I want to see what makes them tick. You know, hopefully it'll mold me into a better human being at the end of the day. And a lot of people who are born and raised in their hometown stay and a lot of people who have early on success a lot of people who you know are quote unquote popular in high school you know like they they end yeah. up marrying their high school sweetheart they end up staying in the same town and they don't really you know accomplish as much as they probably could have you know because their eyes weren't open to the fact that hey i could accomplish a lot more here right that's yeah that's a really good point you made and i think that goes back to you know, just the way that you grew up and your morals and beliefs and what you view as a priority in life. Because you're right, for some people, um, you know, it is marriage and family and children and that's mm-hmm. just their their eyes oh, yeah. are all, that's like the prize. And for other people, um, you know, it's like to each their own, but I think certain people, um, you know, really just wanna do career first and then that kind of comes next. And for other people, it's the other way around, but yeah, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, and like again, like having a lack of experiences growing up, like you see the way like your family uh, came up, like my family, like I'm yeah. two parents, they had three kids, you know, like that's your reality at, at, at a young age. Like, all right, I'm going to grow up, I'm going to do that because that's the way life works. You know, and then you grow up and realize like I can do whatever I want. Like you don't have to do that. I think that stuff happens naturally like if you put that you know in, in god's hands that'll take care care of itself because you know you yeah. see a lot of people who i don't want to say force marriages but like get married to the wrong people they have kids and it just doesn't work out and you know like they don't want to admit it but they're kind of stuck in a sense you know like you're right. you're in a position where you're unhappy you're 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 seeing your kids you know like every other week you're you, 
not to say that you know things happen for a reason that happened for a reason but you know i think a lot of people kind of force that stuff because they feel like that's what has to happen i feel like i need that in my life in order to be happy like right off the bat because that's the way they see 90 percent of the people out there like i'm supposed to get married i'm supposed to have kids but like it doesn't have to be that way you know a lot of people are happy and not necessarily selfish i feel like a lot of people think if you don't want to get married and have kids you're kind of being selfish uh, selfish in that regard but you're not like at the end of the day like everybody just wants to be happy like let everybody be i never yeah. understood that yeah that's um that's so true and i yeah i would say you know and i think this is like a whole other conversation where mm -hmm. people the gen z people in our age range i think it's just such a different time and space and i think for a lot of people our age most you know people in my opinion all of my friends are entrepreneur go-getters yeah you know really trying to build their empire first and i think in my opinion i feel like you know that's just where i am right now i could never imagine um you know feeling emotionally mentally ready for a family or like those are really big life choices and i think um you're so right, though, because I think a lot of people can, you know, think, oh, I'm happy once I, you know, get married. I'll be happy once I have that ring on my finger. I'll be happy. But then, you know, that kind of goes back to mental health and really feeling, you know, no, I'll be happy once it's Friday. I'll be happy once I get that gold medal. And that, in my opinion, I kind of call it horizon living where your happiness and your joy it's always just you know over there and you are constantly you feel like you're just you know chasing this thing yet you're not remembering that it's already within you and you just kind of have to flip on the light switch you know right. it's not it's not this far away like an infinity pool where you're like is the end oh that's not oh, okay whoa it's just it's right here yeah. and so I think that's such a good point though because with anything in life with sports with um you know wanting to accomplish certain things and get to certain milestones it's just important to remember that you yourself have to remember to feel proud and to congratulate yourself and to give yourself a pat on the back because or else, you know, you may forget or else, you know, it's hard to rely. I don't know. There's just so many things, oh, yeah. you know, to about that. So when did that all click for you? Because again, you, you're very open about, you know, the experiences that you went through during your childhood. Like when did it click for you that like, okay, like I, I can be in control of my own life in a sense? Oh my gosh. I would say, honestly, when I was a sophomore in high school, um, I was about a year into therapy and for me, my anxiety, as everyone you know watching knows, um, I'm very open and honest about my struggle with anxiety when I was younger. And I remember even as young as three years old, just my whole entire childhood, I just was always the anxious, you know, goofy, very energetic, and yeah. just always, I always felt off, but I never knew that it was a bad thing. And I never knew right. that something was not wrong, but I never knew that you know, I had an actual condition. I thought, oh, this is just me. You know, I'm just, I always feel this way. I always have a pit in my stomach and that's normal. And I, my heart is always beating this fast and that's normal. Um, and then I remember when I was a freshman in high school, I just kept on, I was getting horrible panic attacks in my class and I did not know what was going on. And I thought it was a stroke. It was a heart attack. I just, it was so scary. And so for me, um, beginning of my sophomore year, I got a therapist and it really changed my life. But I remember halfway through therapy when I was 15, um, I really just something clicked where my therapist kept on saying, you know, Megan, um, your happiness is your responsibility. So she said right now at this young of an age, you should really, really, really realize that it's not up to a boyfriend. It's not up to your parents. It's not up to even me, your therapist. It's really, it's up to you to feel happy yourself yeah. and to really feel like you are a complete whole person. And for a while, 
you know, to be totally honest, that didn't hit me and I didn't really understand it, but it just, it, it stayed with me. And I think that's such an important lesson to learn as a, you know, teenager in today's world is um, just knowing that your emotions are your responsibility. Oh. Just as, you know, taking care of your physical health, you have a house, apartment, a car, things to take care of like chores those are your emotions and your feelings too. It's, um, you know, it's something that I think we can almost forget sometimes. Like for me, you know, it'll be like halfway through the day and I'm like, wait, when is the last time I checked in with myself? Like, whoa, you know, I kind of feel weird. And then once I start, you know, physically paying attention to my body and where I'm breathing, then I kind of start feeling, you know, better. And to me, that's how I take care of myself. But um, yeah, I would say honestly, when I was 15 years old, a sophomore in high school, I just, something really clicked where I was like, you know, I was also in a weird kind of not a healthy relation. There was just many things yeah, in my yeah. life where I was like so unhappy and I'm like, you know, something is just telling me my gut feeling. And then my therapist saying that was the catalyst for me to just make all of these positive changes and, you know, end that relationship. and get a better friend group and all of these things. So that's just something I always tell myself, no matter what season of life I'm in, I, you know, constantly remind myself, okay, so, you know, it's, it's all up to me. So how, how do I want to feel? Because, you know, my thoughts are creating my feelings. So I'm the one creating this. It's not anyone else's fault. It's just, you know, mine. Did you always have, you know, like that panel of people that you could trust? You know, like you talk about your therapist, mother, father, whoever it was. Like, did you always feel like you could go to them whenever you were feeling this way? Because for me, it took me a long time to trust anybody. Like, I, I don't remember, like, the first real conversation I had with my mother about this sort of stuff was probably a few years ago. Like, I remember going through my entire childhood not talking to anybody about it. Because, again, it I don't want to say it wasn't accepted, but, like, if I did talk about it, you know, like, people would think you were weak, you know? Like, I never thought I could talk to my dad about it. I remember when I was really young, we, we used to walk around eggshells around him because he was just, like, Mr. Macho in a sense. Just, like, you, you don't act that way. You, you act a certain way, a way as a man. Where, like, again, on the other side, I didn't really talk to it about my mom that much. I never really trusted anybody. But did you always have that trust factor? Oh, my gosh. That's such a great question. Um, You know... Honestly, that's something I still, you know, to this day, I'm I'm very picky about who I surround myself with. Right, and yeah. I think, um, you know, it's just kind of the way it is. I think in our industry and just with the careers that we have, it's, you know, not just wanting to surround yourself with motivating people who are also on the same mindset level. But also, you know, I think I just... I don't know. Like, I just, I'm a very selective person and I constantly am so busy all the time. But to answer your question, I would say I still only have a few select people that I really trust, you know, with my life and what's going on. But I still, um, you know, I still have a therapist to this day, even though I'm 25. I have a therapist. I talk with her every Tuesday um, and she's here in Nashville. And that's something I love therapy. I think it's so healthy and I, you know, there's things constantly going on in my personal, professional life where I really am, you know, wanting to become better at, um, you know, kind of filtering and categorizing just, you know, what's important right now, like what's priority number one versus what is an emotion I have towards someone else. Just, you know, really, so I don't... Um, you know, take out things on other people, or I'm not kind of emotionally immature. I, I really, you know, pride myself on thinking, okay, so I, you know, maybe I'm feeling angry or sad or frustrated. Well, then what happened, you know, in the past 24 hours and who is it really directed towards rather than, you know, oh, me, you know, lashing out at someone. But yes. yeah, I would say, honestly, my therapist is number one. I can text her and call her, which is amazing. I also love my parents. I love my sister. Um, and I have, you know, a really good friend group and I feel grateful because I think, you know, that can just be a rare thing in today's world where you have people who not only support you and show up for you, but who also 
make you feel comfortable and safe and you know that you know you can trust them right and like you said you are selective which you should be you know like it's it's a close knit circle in a sense of like there's a lot of people out there there's very few people that you feel like you can trust you know you you form a bond with a few Uh, people and you feel like you can trust them whether it is again your parents siblings family members close friends who you become friends with you know it's very hard to um find those people like we talk about you know surrounding yourself with the right people like it's an easy thing to do it really isn't it's a lot harder than it looks to surround yourself with you know the the right and proper people that will help guide you into a sense of happiness and fulfillment yes it's so true um okay I feel like we kind of flip-flop positions for a second because you're an interviewer that's what I do that's what I do naturally it happens Uh, okay Jack um, I have one last question for you before we jump into rapid fire, which is super fun. Oh, I love that. It's a great yeah. idea. Okay, so Jack O'Hara. Um, okay, so it is my personal mission in life to change the public school system. Um, as you know, you and many people know that I love having you know open conversations with teenagers and high school students about mental health and self care. And I really want to see while I'm alive and on earth in my lifetime, I want to see mandatory classes about mental health and all that stuff be, you know, implemented into the public school system. I would love to know in your personal experience, what is one class that you wish was taught in your high school? One class? I mean, it's probably that, like, Oh my God, yeah. like that, if we had a mental health class in high school, I, I could only imagine the amount of attitudes that would have been adjusted uh, growing growing up, like whether you were an athlete or again, like in theater club or whatever, everybody probably would have gotten along. Everybody's eyes would have been wide open, like, whoa, like everybody's got their own story. Everybody's got their own struggles. Everybody's got their own struggles, whether it's, you know, finances, issues at home, issues in relationships like you were talking about. I think a lot of people would understand everybody a lot more, which I did not have in high school. It, again, it was either you were strong or you were weak. You know, like I, I feel like, I, I think I went to a Catholic high school, so I think theology class was the closest thing to that. You know, talking about real life things and having an open dialogue where people were giving testimonies and things like that. But again, still nobody was really opening up about anything real. You know, no, everybody was too afraid. Like, what are they going to say? Are they going to judge me? Are they going to talk behind my back later on? And there was a lot of that. I, I was, you know, uh, I had friends who did that, unfortunately, to other people. So it, I think if everybody had like a uh, an open mind for a mental health class in high school, I mean, just thinking about that, like if, they, if you're able to have that down the road in schools across the nation, like I can only imagine how happier people would be coming out of school. A lot of people would not be as resentful or bitter as people I feel like are coming out of high school. Yes, it's it's seriously so true. And, you know, as um, as you know, COVID-19 is kind of coming to a new place. I think um, that teenagers are really, you know, just going through such a dark time and such oh, a yeah. challenging, like twisting, never ending road. But I think, um, you know, the number one thing that they can really, really feel and understand is that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. But I really believe that everything is all a choice. So for me, you know, I can choose to feel happiness or I can choose to feel sadness. And even if, I mean, obviously, you know, things are going to get better. Things will go to a more normal, um, healthy space. But, you know, it's really up to me at the end of the day to choose to get excited again or to choose to stay in the past and think, you know, oh, gosh, is this going to get better? And I don't know that, you know, it's all a choice. Oh yeah, I'm 100%. I mean, just that idea alone, like that that just blew my mind. Like if if we had that across the nation, things would be a lot brighter. Maybe not entirely brighter because again, there are still people who find a way to be negative and, you know, or, or dig themselves in a ditch and it's kind of hard to get out of, but I think things would be a lot smoother. It would be a lot smoother transition for a lot of people to be open-minded and talk about certain things that they weren't willing to talk about before. Right. It's so true. 
Um, okay, Jack. So, are you ready for rapid fire round? This will be fun. This will be interesting. So, <laughs> these are some super just right, you know, first thing off the top of your head, kind of goofy questions. Um, so, number one, what is your favorite type of junk food? Ooh, Cheetos. Cheetos. Which is probably a good answer because Cheetos are disgusting. Like, most people don't eat Cheetos anymore. I still love Cheetos. Every now okay. and then. I try to eat healthy, but, yeah, Cheetos is probably my escape food. Okay, Cheetos. Specifically, the Puffs or the crispy, like, originals? Like, the crispy originals. The Puffs are too disgusting. Even I have to draw the line at the Puffs. I can't eat those things. I love the Puffs. Really? Those are Favorite, yes. I don't know. I, I I grew up again in high school. I I was that kid, and I cannot believe I did this. But I lived off of Kit Kat bars and brisk iced teas. That's all I ate. You know, like I said, like I got into a rhythm where I was eating a lot of food when I got into it. But before that, like I just did not take care of myself at all. I didn't think to. But that those were like the only two things I enjoyed eating: Kit Kat bars, brisk iced tea, Cheetos. I was a mess. And then you know I don't eat any junk food regularly now but when i do it's cheetos the, the original cheetos i like it original cheetos yeah um so my second question is what is the most embarrassing thing you have ever done like <laughs> i actually thing? i have done so many embarrassing things in my life i actually have written a list about every single bad <laughs> thing that's happened to me um i I'll tell you this story. It's embarrassing, but at the same time, one of my favorite stories, because again, it kind of full circle goes to what we were talking about earlier. I grew up a New York Yankees fan in the era of Derek Jeter, Alex Rodriguez, you know, the big name guys. Um, I worked as a security guard for the Arizona Diamondbacks in Phoenix my freshman year in college, and my... Uh, assigned task. It was Mother's Day, actually. I had to miss out on Mother's Day to work security in Arizona. Um, but I got my, it was like purse night or whatever, so I got my mom a purse, so it was all good. And uh, my assigned task for the night, it was like a nationally televised game. It was, this was 2018. Um, my assigned task was to guard the production truck where the three sportscasters were going to be coming into and out of, you know, before and after the game, which was Matt Vaskurgeon, who's a play-by-play -play voice for ESPN, and his color commentator, Alex Rodriguez, because now he does uh, broadcasting post-playing career. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, my, I basically just open up the door, close it whenever they're coming in, and, you know, I say, hi, Mr. Rodriguez, whatever, you know, they just ignore me, because who am I? Uh, but, you know, I shot my shot, but... The star. Um, <laughs> I know. And, uh, after, you know, I, I'm just standing there the entire shift, and after the game is over... I'm like, all right, like, that's a wrap. I go on, like, our walkie-talkies. I'm like, can I go to the bathroom now? Because, like, I've been sitting there for, like, four or five hours at that point. They're like, yeah, whatever. So there's a porta potty probably, like, a few feet away from the, the production truck. And I'm going to the bathroom. And, you know, like, your worst fear, like, being in a porta potty or public bathroom is someone, you know, opening up the door, not knocking, and, you know, just walking in on you. So, of course, someone walks in on me, and I immediately am just like, ah, someone's in here. You know, you become someone else. You're just, like, so embarrassed at the time. But, uh, you know, I turned around, and I thought about it for a second. I'm like, that was Alex Rodriguez. You know, that's one of my childhood heroes, you know, just walked no in on me on the bathroom yeah. and saw my junk, in a sense. You know, like, that was, that was very, very embarrassing, but at the same time, very, very cool. Like, I'm definitely going to be telling that story for a long time, and I am right now. Uh, but yes. it took me like two minutes. I'm like, all right, he's standing outside. He walked in on me on the bathroom. What am I going to say to him? Like, this is my chance, you know? Like, this is one of my childhood heroes. Like, I wanted to grow up being a big league baseball player because of Alex Rodriguez. So I go up. I'm like, oh, Mr. Rodriguez, I'm so sorry, even though it was his fault. And it was like 100% his fault. He didn't knock. But I'm not, you know, I'm not going to tell him that. And he's just like, oh, it's all good, man. He, like, slapped me on the chest with his giant baseball mitt hands. And he's like, at least it wasn't Jennifer. And I turned and looked. It was like at this really expensive uh, Chevy Tahoe. And it was J-Lo just like awkwardly smiling my way and just waving. I'm just like, oh, this is a really awkward moment. And I just walked away. That I don't know if that was my most embarrassing story. But like when it came to like meeting like celebrity type people. Yeah, getting walked in on the bathroom by A-Rod and awkwardly waving at J-Lo afterwards was pretty awkward for me. Wow. 
Okay, I mean, J-Lo is, like, my personal idol, so I would have, yeah. like, blown up into confetti in that moment. That's crazy. Yeah, but I was an awkward little boy, so it was kind of yeah. weird for me. I was feeling very insecure at the moment. Wow, that's so crazy. Um, okay, two more questions on the rapid fire. So, question number three, Jack, is what is the best piece of advice you have ever received? Hmm... I forget who told me this. It, it may have been, honestly, just online from someone, you know? Like, I have a ton of idols that I look up to, but I think uh, selling yourself is the biggest thing that you could... That's probably the biggest piece of advice I've ever taken. Like, no, like nobody's going to go out of their way, in a sense, to help you. You're going to have to sell yourself. Like, with me, with my yeah. podcast, like, I started that from... Uh, the ground up I still am in a sense like 300 interviews deep but you know like when I first started like nobody really understood it it's like why are you starting a show you're not famous in any way like you don't have a platform it's like it's something I want to do and uh, you have to keep selling yourself you know keep keep building you know that character keep building that charisma into the the personality the type of identity that you want to have so selling yourself especially at a young age a uh, very hard thing to do, but if you could battle through the adversity, I think that was probably the best piece of advice I received. It may have been my dad. I, I really don't know, but uh, that's probably, again, like the most eye-opening piece of advice I've ever received. This is <laughs> rapid fire, but they're like five-minute responses, so. Yeah, no, I mean, they're, it's like nuggets of wisdom, though, so yeah. it works perfectly. It's good um, content. Yes. Okay, last rapid fire question. Um, what is the next adventure on your bucket list next adventure on my bucket list probably to uh i'm in the process of writing my own uh screenplay hopefully turn it into my first feature film again i an aspiring filmmaker i haven't done much yet but i'm working on one that i plan on shooting in the fall uh it, it takes a lot you know like you have to have a certain budget you're going to spend a lot of money on films and given that it's my first one it probably won't pan out the way i want to and i have to set that mindset early on but hope for the best that's probably my next um big goal again like i want to do so many things whether it's sports casting i've had the privilege and i've been fortunate enough to call over 200 sporting events at school and outside and internships all over the country um, you know, podcasting, I, I get to talk to people like you, you know, knowledgeable people get to share stories with people all over the world as well, whether they're athletes, celebrities, actors, actresses, musicians. I'm a huge rock music guy, probably one of my bigger inspirations there growing up in a music family as well. Um, but yeah, my, my next thing on my list, I'd say, is filmmaking. I love that. That's so just incredible. And I think it's so brave of you because, I mean, talking with you for only, you know, like half an hour, I've already really just realized and felt that you're such an ambitious person and you're one of those types of people where you have a goal, you set it, and you achieve it. And it really inspires, you know, everyone who watches this, and everyone who listens, um, just to really take, you know, remember that they're the CEO of their life. No oh, yeah. one else is. And I think the only problems in life are when you give someone else the keys to the car and you're oh, yeah. like wait i'm not happy wait I, you know it's like you have to remember you're in control and i think the biggest uh, obstacle that people face is failing like a lot of people don't want to face the failure like everybody fails big time one way or another you know like Brad Pitt yeah. or Adam Sandler, like all of these big guys probably had the, the worst film experiences. They probably played the most embarrassing roles in their first few films right. that they ever shot. That's not, that's honestly probably the most embarrassing thing. I did a film last year where I had to um, portray myself as some crazy guy who was in love with a wooden chair. And they had me make out with a wooden chair on camera. And that, that is, see, like, just based on that reaction, that's an embarrassing thing that really isn't that funny. It's actually really embarrassing in a sense yeah. of, like, you have to go through certain things that really test your, not only your pride, but, you know, test your, your, your withstand. Like, what are you willing to withstand? What are you willing right. to tolerate when it comes to being an actor or, you know, an athlete? If you feel like you should be, uh, you know, I'm a baseball guy, so if, like, if, if you feel like you should be at the top of the order and you're getting benched and you don't feel uh you know that prideful in that sense like you have to again 
dig down deep and figure out what to do. Like, okay, this is not what I want to do right now. How am I going to get to the point where I want to get? And I feel like the biggest failures result in the biggest breakthroughs. And I, I, I just don't feel that. I think that's a fact. I think a lot of people's biggest failures result in their biggest breakthroughs and their biggest shining moments as well. Right. That's so well said. Um, yeah, this has been amazing. Jack, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for, uh, you know, taking time out of your day to talk to me. I'm glad we finally got to do this. And Good. hopefully we can do it again down the road. Because, again, there's a lot more I'd love to pick your brain about. Oh, my gosh. I know. And I think something that is so fascinating is just how the sports world and the mental health world, you know, can collide. And I think there are so many, you know, conversations that are yet to be had. And um, it's just, it's been such an honor speaking with you today, truly. Hey, likewise. I, I think you're doing a tremendous job. Your new book coming out as well. Uh, I, I can't wait to read that. That's coming out, what, March 25th, 2021? It is I remember. coming out March 25th, yes. And it was crazy. Just last night, finally, I submitted the final draft and I felt like, I could finally breathe. Yeah. Like it's been a long process for anyone who's written a book, you know, but just to have it fully, just, I'm like literally last night, did a happy dance, <laughs> ate, ate a cupcake and then call it a night. <laughs> hey, you gotta, you gotta uh, reward yourself after that. It's not as easy as it looks. A lot of people look at, you know, again, like actors, writers, all this stuff, like it's easy. Like it's a dream job. Like it's a dream job, but it's hard. You got to put in the work. You got to put in the extra time. You really got to devote yourself. So congratulations on the new book. And again, I hope we talk again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. And Jack, really quickly, where can everyone watching find you on social media? You can find me on the IG Instagram at I am Jack O'Hara, as well as at Oshopod. That's O-S-H-O-W-P-O-D. And then of course, I am Jack O'Hara. I'll let you figure that one out. And then also on Twitter at I am Jack O'Hara and Oshopod. So that's where you can find me. That's where I put mainly most of my content. And if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn as well, I'm Jack O'Hara there as well. Awesome. And one last thing, do you have any fun upcoming projects or collaborations that you can talk about? Ooh. I'm going to pull, you know, the, the famous answer and saying you're just going to have to stay tuned and find out. I love it. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Incredible. But thank you again, Jack. And everyone, go follow Jack. Seriously, this episode I learned so much. Um, you are such a bright light in this world, and this has been an absolute honor. Again, likewise. I, I love talking to you, and hopefully we can do it again. Thank you. <laughs>